And we're live here. Uh, it is the Longhorn live stream special edition. Uh, guys, I'm Bobby Burton alongside Jerry Hamilton, Paul Wildington, Rod Babers. Hey, we have tight quarters coverage for this one today. We do have tight quarters coverage. There you go. Uh, and you know what? It's, it's appropriate, guys, because this is one of the – it's appropriate that so many people are here because it's one of the seminal moments of the Steve Sar – or perhaps the seminal moment of Steve Sarkeesian's career. Yesterday, uh, winning the Big 12 championship today, we believe here at uh, Inside Texas and on Texas football that the Longhorns are in. Can't say that uh, 100% for sure, but everything is pointing that direction. Uh, it just looks very, very good for the Longhorns right now after a 49-21 victory over Oklahoma State yesterday. Uh, as Casey points out here, the AP poll, Michigan yep. came in one this morning, Washington two, Texas three. They went with Florida State over Alabama four wow. and five, and then Georgia six. That means Ohio State drops to seven as well. Not a lot of surprise there after Texas I mean, destroyed Oklahoma State yesterday. And then uh, Florida State went out and held serve, but clearly without an, a, a, their starting quarterback or even their backup quarterback, they're just not very good. Uh, and so uh, it, it was not a pretty game, uh, although I personally, if I were a Florida State fan, I'd be extraordinarily proud of that team. They just won a conference championship with a third-string quarterback. Uh, at any rate, the Longhorns right now, guys, look like they are in in it. Rod, I'm going to go go to you first. Um, and the reason I want to ask you, I want I want you to give me your, you know, after sleeping on it, thoughts about the game yesterday, uh, and we can go from there, bud. Uh, oh, I thought it was a, a, a dominant performance by Texas. It, it helped, right? That that actually helped them in the national conversation, the discourse, because they shifted the narrative a little bit. Texas with those two dominant back-to-back -back wins, one in the Big 12 title game, the other over Texas Tech, people started to see Texas in a different light that, oh, man, this team is trending the right way, and this team can put together a four-quarter dominant performance in the light of some of the other things that happened across college football. Texas put themselves in a prime position. We're talking about the national conversation. You have people that are not Texas fans now, part of the national media. They're saying, yeah, oh, this team is definitely one of the four best teams in college football. I think that's what they did. I think Sark did a great job of getting this team motivated and focused on the Big 12 title game. They weren't distracted, um, and they, they put their, their foot on the throat of Oklahoma State. And I think even Mike Gundy uh, was able to recognize and say that Texas should be in. I believe that's the, the, the moment he had with Sark in the postgame afterwards, like, hey, man, I hope you get in. And I I agree with uh, I agree with that. I, mean, I think Texas is right now one of the four best teams in college football, and I think they will get their shot. I want to tee up Paul for his thoughts here, and you guys' thoughts. Two scenarios yesterday had to happen after Texas uh, finished business. One of those two scenarios had to happen. One was uh, FSU loss, which obviously didn't happen. But damn, if it didn't feel like a loss, um, <laughs> FSU. Two, another door had to open, and that was Alabama beat Georgia. Because I 100% agree with what Joel Klatt said in a podcast earlier this week. If FSU won, but Alabama beat Georgia, that was going to pull Texas into the playoff because of the head-to-head. -head. There's absolutely no way this committee could not take Texas over Alabama because of the 10-point win in Tuscaloosa. doesn't matter when it was. That victory happened. You can't sit here and say Alabama got better. Everybody got better except Florida State because they lost their starting quarterback and a Heisman contender. 
It's the only team that you can say didn't get better at the end of the season. So, Paul, I just thought when door number two opened before door number one could possibly open, the committee would have a very difficult argument for not having Texas in. You're, you're right. So here's the decision the committee has to make. Alabama or Florida State? Yeah. Texas is in. Yep. Why? Because of exclusionary logic. It's a gift from the Greeks. And Jerry just elucidated it. Joel Klatt elucidated it. And what it is is a system of reasoning that's valid, right? If you go for most deserving season resume, Florida State is the argument, okay? You're not interested in the quality of the team at this moment. We know Florida State would lose to Alabama on a neutral field, okay? Texas beat Alabama, okay? Alabama is an argument for best teams need to be there, folks. Hey, sorry for what happened to you, Florida State. It's unfortunate. It's tragic. Bama's one of the best four teams. They need to go. Well, as Jerry said, we beat Bama by 10 in their place, the largest margin of victory in Tuscaloosa in the Nick Saban era. The committee has said publicly, a win is a win when it happens. Head-to-head -head matters a lot. If that's true and you go by simple exclusionary logic, Texas gets in with Florida State and Texas gets in with Alabama. The decision this committee has to make is between Florida State and Alabama. And by the way, there's a market out there because I don't like committees and bureaucrats. I like markets. Markets are real. Markets have consequences. There's a market made up of big, shiny buildings out in the desert. It's called Las Vegas. Yeah. And they have betting markets. And right now, the two best odds are Michigan, Washington, Alabama, Texas, Michigan, Washington, Florida State, Texas. Is that a coincidence? No. Because Texas is resume, one of the best four, most deserving, one of the best four. I just gave myself a thumbs up there. Hey, let me, <laughs> hey, let, hey, let me read the principles, and then I want Bobby to comment on this. Here is the principles, College Football Selection Committee. The selection committee will select the teams using a process that distinguishes and otherwise comparable teams by considering conference championships one, strength of schedule, head-to-head -head competition, comparative outcomes of common opponents, without incenting margin of victory and other relevant factors such as unavailability of key players and coaches that may have affected a team's performance during the season or likely will affect its postseason performance. And that last part, the first, the, the first four parts, takes Georgia out. You cannot take Georgia. They didn't win their conference championship. Okay, Texas beat Alabama. Strength of schedule's high for Alabama and Texas. Georgia's out. If they put them in, they didn't even go by their own principles on their website. <laughs> they also have an out if they want to take Florida State out. The question is, are they going to do it? Because here's the reality. If FSU's four and plays Michigan, I didn't watch the Big Ten championship game last night, but I guess I'm going to get to see it in the first round of the college football playoffs because Florida State isn't scoring on those guys. <laughs> they, You have to have a sophisticated passing game, I think, to beat Michigan right now. I watched – I mean, you can run the ball a little bit on them, but if you don't stress them on the outside, 
Uh, if the Longhorns do play them in, say, I don't know, Pasadena uh, <laughs> coming up, we're going to be talking about that because the matchups that this are in the permutations, uh, the thing is that y'all aren't just talking about Texas being in the playoffs. That's not what we're talking about. Uh, to Paul's point and your point, Jerry, we think Texas is in. Damn. Now's the question, are they three or four? Because there is a, a logic, Paul, that says Florida State, because they are undefeated still and a conference champ, should be three. I'm not saying that's right. The AP poll has Texas three. We've already seen that. But there's some logic there that states that, right? You can't, in, in the p- previous past, when you wouldn't put in, oh, the, there's a player that's been injured and you wouldn't think about that, you'd just put the, the three 13-0 teams for one, two, three, however you thought they looked with the eyeball test, right? And then you'd rank the one-loss teams, right? And that's how we'd get in. There are three 13-0 teams. So I could see Florida State being three. I could see Texas being three. And then I could see either Florida State, Texas, or Alabama being four. But in every scenario in that grouping, to y'all's point, Texas is in. Okay, I got to reset here a little bit. Uh, This is the Longhorn Livestream Special Edition uh, for the college football playoff. It is an uh, announcement. It is now 1045, guys. The TV show for ESPN starts at 11. So that's in 15 minutes. We're going to be here throughout that. Then they, they sent out a, a news release just a few minutes ago saying the exact time of the announcement, just so everybody knows, will be 1115. So we're literally 30 minutes right now uh, from getting to know this. I'm Bobby Burton, joined by Rod Babers, Paul Wadlington, and Jerry Hamilton. Uh, this is the On Texas Football Inside Texas.com Longhorn live stream covering uh, the playoff announcement. Uh, guys, I, I just look at this and we're going to get to some comments from fans, et cetera. Let's take people through first. Matt, our producer, has got this queued up for us. Matt, do you mind putting that the tweet Blake Monroe uh, of Coffee and Football uh, tweeted out? Paul, I know your, your insight in betting is uh, as good as anybody's. Uh, you also have some even more uh, nuanced discussion to have about this. But Blake says the Texas Longhorns now have the second best odds, not only to get into the college football playoff guys, but to actually win it. Uh, Michigan one, Horn, Longhorns two, Washington three, Alabama four. Guys, uh, and Paul, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot this to you because right before we went on air, you had even further uh, information on this that I thought everybody would like to hear. Yeah, I was on FanDuel, and the chances of the four being Texas, Washington, Alabama, Michigan went from plus 300 to currently plus 110 in about the space of 10 minutes, Bobby. So So, so you think think Alabama – what that means for, for people that are, are just tuning in, what that means to you, the Sharps or whoever you call them in Vegas are saying Bama and Texas are both in and Florida State is out. That's yeah. So nine minutes goes, it basically triples the likelihood that Texas and Bama are in. If I'm I, reading it right. I, I think that this was sharp money. I don't think this was public money. Okay. Now, it's, it's an opinion. That's all this is. This this committee is not accountable to anyone but their own website, as Jerry said. Uh, <laughs> these guys will go on with their lives as 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 bureaucrats. 
but it is interesting because I do think it does suggest something. And also the AP polling, we can kind of roll our eyes at that. It actually means something to some people. We can't discount that. It gives you a, a sense of affirmation. Oh, see, the coaches think Texas is one of the best four. Oh, and again, it's meaningful that Texas was number three. Yeah. If you remember the exclusionary logic principles we talked about, the debate ain't Texas versus anybody. Jalen no. Madison, brilliant opinion, notwithstanding. <laughs> uh, that rocket scientist is opining on Twitter right now and getting upgraded by every former Longhorn player. But uh, I think that it shows that Texas is in, and the decision is Alabama, Florida State. And as Jerry said, that last little bullet point, the, the committee gets to revisit injury. And that is their out if they want to include Alabama and frankly, get the best possible TV ratings. And one thing I do want to bring up to you gentlemen, I want to push back on the notion that Michigan is the guaranteed number one. Is that assured? Because Oregon was the fifth ranked team in right. the CFP. Iowa was 16 and they're worse than that. Let's, I mean, the, the Big Ten West is a, is a Ponzi scheme. It's a farce. Yes. Well, I, I think that, I think that what the argument, and I'll I'll take that one, guys. The only teams they've really beat, all, all the only teams the Pac-10 have really beat or Pac-12 really beat are themselves. What's their best out-of-conference win? Florida? Utah beat Florida? Is that the best yeah. big t- Pac-12 out-of-conference win this year? I mean, I mean, uh, it, 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 Washington, Washington State, Wisconsin seemed meaningful at the time. Yeah, I, that's <laughs> right. That, so I think that I think that the circular logic there that's going to be that that's the, that's what the playoff committee is going to go back to is yeah Oregon was beating up on all these teams, but in I retrospect now that's where we're at. Um, all right, hey, I want to I want to bring Broad Babers in. I also want to say one more thing. Uh, another uh, news alert from the University of Texas has come through. The players and media are now gathering in the Longhorn Newhouse Royal area. Rod, you've been there. You've been part of a team and the anticipation level. I mean, what are you, are you guys, are guys sitting around elbowing each other? They're joking around with a little nervous energy. You know what I mean? Like what's the atmosphere as you go as a I walk into a team and you're like, man, what are we doing? What's going on? What are we, where are we going next? That kind of thing. I mean, it's gotta be off the charts, dude. Well, I think this team, first of all, they're still celebrating their Big 12 title win. So this yeah. team particularly, they're all, I, I think they know they're in. I think they're confident. I think they know that, they, I mean, all this this conversation that we're having, I mean, social media now, I mean, we know that it, 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 it applies a lot of pressure to these young guys, but also, you know, it gives them more information about what's going on. We actually... We had to operate kind of what was in the newspapers and what the coaches and uh, were telling us. We, it was hard to gather information about what was going on. These guys know exactly what's going on. They know they needed style points to beat Oklahoma State. I mean, they were aware of the national discourse. Uh, so I think they're confident, man. I think they know that they're in. I think Sark's confident in his team. I think he's confident that what they put on display to the nation has a lot of people behind them and backing that this team is one of the four best teams in the country. I can tell you from a phone call last night that they're pretty confident. Yeah, they're confident. We'll find out in a few minutes. But I'll tell you what, if I was a player 
in there right now, I'd still be giving Tavondre Sweat the business. How can you grab 600 rebounds in high school and body catch your only touchdown in college? <laughs> that ball could have bounced off his chest onto the ground, man. Get your paws up there. You used to grab rebounds against six, seven guys in district play when you were six, four, 270. You just said the key words. It used to twisted. be. It didn't bounce off his chest. It bounced off his belly. Yeah, that's a little soft, right back up to a little softer cushion. Do you remember? Off? You remember how much he weighed in high school? Two sixty-five at one point. Yeah, hundred pounds. Nah, he was a lot lighter when he was getting the rebounds. Man, he had like seventy pounds <laughs> since then. Hey, Rod. Rod, I have, I have one follow-up for Rod, real quick. And I, look, I've never been in a situation like this, and other people may have. Do you ever get told, like, the cameras are all on you, there's 100 people in the background, and everything. do y'all ever get it told, hey, we're going to be playing to, we're going to be playing XYZ team, just be be excited and surprised when we find out? Or, no. or is, it, is it true, honest God, surprised that, that we'll see on camera uh, from the Longhorns today? Uh, well, I think it is, a, a, I don't think they're surprised they're going to be in, but then seeing who you're going to play. I mean, this yeah. is a... Doesn't, the word doesn't leak out before to y'all. No. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't know. We we learn kind of when everybody else learns. We actually do. They are project and the coach will tell you, guys, I guys, I you know, Matt, I think it's gonna be the I think we're gonna play here. I think this is gonna be the team. Um, <laughs> but you never we don't we don't really know. Um, we just kind of find out and then when it's official, official. That's that's true. Hey Bobby, right. can we give you all a quick update? Yes. If you're interested in an emotional hedge right now as a Longhorn fan, <laughs> don't do it. You can bet at plus 600, mind you, Alabama and Florida State as the last two entrants. By the way, minus 105 are the odds now for Florida State, Texas, Alabama, Texas. So the next, the third tranche is plus 600. What Again, does that mean? So give us a like, give us a mathematical. Like I don't understand. I don't do gambling speak. Okay, okay. I, so, I, I'm not trying to. I understand over and under, and you know the point spread, but I don't understand what you're talking about. And so, like, what does that mean mathematically? And seventy five percent chances. A seventy five percent chance Texas is in, according to Vegas. An eighty percent chance, or what? Six to one. That's what six. That's what plus six hundred means. So. What they're saying is 84 to 84% or so. Yes. And what they're saying with those other two odds, which both include Texas as the two most likely scenarios, right? The only difference is what I said 10 minutes ago, Florida state versus Bama. Those are minus one Oh five Bobby, which is almost even money. You bet 10 and you get back nine, uh, 75, nine fifty, something like that. Right? So what we're saying in the markets, according to the sharps is that Texas is in the college football playoff, and we need to figure out our seeding and whether we're playing Michigan or whether we're playing the Washington Huskies. Yeah, we're gonna have an hour to talk about that. But the Texas Revenge Tour leans to Washington. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Didn't even think. And, about you know, it. Revenge I'm not sure I'm leaning will, to Kalen. I'm not sure in this seat I'm leaning to the uh, Kalen DeBoer. I'd, re- <laughs> I'd rather play Michigan and take my shot in the finals if I beat Michigan. That's well, Jay, you've, got Saint, yeah. you've got old Saint Nick in the background there. You're 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 ready for the holidays. I think we're gonna that both of these games, by the way, uh, whether it's the Rose Bowl or the Sugar Bowl, uh, are going to be played on January first. So it is a true New Year's Day bowl atmosphere. 
Um, if you haven't, if you've been to Pasadena, I've been to, to the Rose Bowl three times, and two of them were actually the true Rose Bowl. They they literally, you got to go out there and do the parade, go out and hang out in Southern California for a couple of days. If you're going to New Orleans, two days can be too much. <laughs> that would be my experience there. Uh, but I will tell you, uh, on Texas football, we'll be at either venue. We will be out there inside Texas. We'll be there as well uh, with everybody uh, making sure uh, everybody knows what's going on with the Longhorns. Uh, all right, uh, let's uh, let's talk a little bit here about uh, the Longhorns in that game yesterday. Uh, Rod, I gave you, I asked you your thoughts. Jerry, I'm going to ask you yours. Some, a couple of key takeaways in retrospect. Uh, yeah, mine was, look, uh, Ollie Gordon, uh, the backside, left eye, backside cut is his run, right? That's his best vision run is he sees that back, backside, left side. Uh, Texas held him to 13 for 34. He was frustrated. He looked like a high school sophomore throwing helmets on the sidelines. Um, it, it, it was a bad look for him, a guy that's going to win the Doak Walker Award. He's competitive, but it wasn't a good look. So Texas took away what they had to take away in that game. And then I just look at the, the distribution of the ball offensively. Um, because we, when we talked about this game, uh, Paul, we haven't been on the show together, but one of the things I brought up was I looked at UCF and how much trouble Texas Tech had with them in an Oklahoma State because UCF was the only team in the conference. Uh, oh, Andrew Anthony got hurt for OU. A little bit different look for them. But two wide receivers that will play in the NFL or play for money at some point and a tight end who had athleticism to get down the field, even if he's young, and a run game behind it, even though Texas doesn't have quarterback run game. Texas Tech struggled with that. Oklahoma State struggled mightily with that. Um, so I, it, my thought was Texas has a huge advantage there because Texas's parts are a little better than UCF's parts. And when you add them all up, especially considering JT Sanders, I didn't think it was a good matchup for Tech. I didn't think it was a good matchup for Oklahoma State. Um, it, but then to see Quinn distribute the ball like he did, I thought put Oklahoma State and the way Sark attacked. He said in the Monday press conference, best group of linebackers they've played all year. And I'm sure some people are kind of taken aback by that. They hadn't followed Oklahoma State since Texas didn't play Oklahoma State during the season. But he immediately said, all right, guys, y'all are going to have to run. Get going towards the numbers. Get going towards the boundary. Um, but the way Quinn distributed the ball, um, the, the plays guys made after the catch in space against Oklahoma State. When Corey Black went down, Rod, Oak State was in big trouble in that game. They were already in trouble, but they were in big trouble when their best corner left the game because then Gundy said at halftime, he said, I looked out there and they're either all freshmen or guys that hadn't played before. That's yeah. a bad place to be against the Texas offense that's clicking. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that about ball distribution. We talked about it. First eight Eight carries or, or plays of the game, six different people touch the ball. Yeah, that's that's what we're talking about here. Matt, our producer is going to bring up the stats in a little bit. Paul, what do you think about ball, the ball distribution? I I want to ask you next about what you thought overall. But ball distribution yesterday was that a key to the game? Other keys you thought or you saw? Yeah, that was huge. I actually brought that up specifically in my post mortem, uh, yep. which is on Inside Texas right now. If you guys aren't members, you're missing out. So. Uh, I think that was huge. <clears throat> you see right there, uh, the, the sheer number of guys who caught a football to include Tavondre Sweat. You look at that separation that he got there in the goal line. Uh, I think the coach, the coaching staff's probably dropped the ball and not incorporating him more as a receiver at flex tight end. Uh, Tavondre just gets open. You know, you could say that was schemed up. 
that was all separation. Yeah, I mean, look at it. Look, you had the big troika of Sanders, Mitchell, and Worthy. They combined for 20 catches for 300 yards. Woo! Had another 152 yards out of support personnel, guys. Our backs, nine catches for 91 yards and a touchdown collectively. How many times did we beat them with the throwback screen? I mean, I got to take my hat off to Sark there because Sark has a tendency to run a couple of great plays and think they're burnt for the game. They're not burnt. You know, that guy who whiffed on your fastball, he didn't learn to hit the fastball by stepping out of the batter's box for 10 seconds. Uh, so I, I love that Sark kept going back to wrinkles that were giving Oklahoma State trouble. And a big that was reflected in this ball distribution. It just the ball went where the guy was open, and that's what you want in any passing offense. I thought seven, that was, seven players had explosive catch, 15 yep. yards or more. Seven in one game. That's Texas, crazy. I believe, had 22 plays that were gauged explosive. Yep whether by the passing tree or the, or the rushing. So, I mean, look, that's, that's the bottom line. And then, and with respect to o Oklahoma state's linebackers, Sark knew exactly what they were going to do. Those linebackers are very athletic. Yes. They, they get downhill. They're run blitzers. That's what they do. Yep. They're not side to side guys. They're not read yep. guys. Yep. And so Sark said, I don't care about balance. Balance is me kicking your butt. So I'm going to throw the ball on every down. And every now and then I'll run the ball to see if I can catch you in a run blitz, not filling your gap. Uh, now you saw in the second half, 132 yards rushing. We brought the hammer, right? Capped off by that beautiful Keelan Robinson sort of counterintuitive run on second and 18 where we went student body left. Jake Majors pulls and gets a great seal. Kelvin Banks commits a homicide on the, on the edge. Uh, earlier in the game on the Cedric Baxter T TD run, if you haven't seen it, go and read my postmortem. You'll see uh, Kelvin Banks. Uh, obliterated. He could have got arrested. I said, yeah. he, he said on the live. I said on the live stream, if you see Kelvin Banks in handcuffs, it was deserved. That's right. <laughs> it, it was. It was. It was awesome. It was Kelvin Banks at his best because he's great on the move. Yeah, and uh, he's got sweet feet. And uh, I just thought it was awesome. But one thing that was so cool about this game, guys, Stillwater seems like a long time ago, doesn't Man. it? Yeah, nineteen of forty-nine. Was that the same guy? Was this the same offensive line? Was this the same coach being stubborn? Or did Sark just say, hey, I know what Oklahoma State can't do. I know we can throw the ball on them. I'm going to throw – we're going to have 350 yards passing at halftime. You know I what love I loved that is that? I love that they played indoors. That <laughs> we, knew, we knew the uh, elements wouldn't stop a Texas passing game that relies a little bit on timing and uh, – execution a high level of execution right um rod what do you think about ball distribution and then other than quinn ewers like paul said I, I thought he had a coming out party with the and we talked about this post game with those passes late over the middle i mean they they really did their number where i felt like he actually grew during the year but uh talk a little bit about quinn and maybe about ball distribution as well before right the show has started so go yes. ahead rod uh, I, I think it was the uh, best game Quinn's played, period, on the 40 acres. It might have been the best game he's ever played in his football career. I mean, Jerry probably would have to go back and give you the research on that. But um, considering what was at stake uh, in the championship, um, I think he, he was magnificent. And this was the beauty of the passing game. You guys talk about the ball distribution, and you're right about it. Um, but Sark started out that game 
in heavier sets, right? 21 personnel, 12 personnel. Actually, the fewest amount of 11 personnel snaps in his first 20 plays of script that I've seen since he's been on the 40 acres as the head coach and the play caller. So uh, uh, something that I've been hitting at all season long, you know, Sark has figured out his formula, his antidote to the three high defense. He's figured it out, right? He, now, I'm not tell you it worked for everybody, but it works for him. Essentially, because to expose and uh, uh, force the three high defense to abandon its disguise and to abandon its distortion, which is its most unique strength, you have to be extreme and you have to present power, right? Because power will scare the hell out of the three high so they'll get closer to their run fits, especially if you present 21 personnel or you present hell even that 6-0 line package which was working pretty well for them but they haven't used it a lot or the 12 personnel they force to get closer to their run fits it'll give your offense better indicators about who they're going to block in the run game you got those base those linebackers coming from the third level with those three high defenses and he gets extreme in his formations even go watch when he goes 11 personnel how many how many um unbalanced sets that Texas go uh, go with early on in that game. Unbalanced sets, little extreme formation. They went a little bit of empty, mixed it in there. That's another extreme set. What you do is you force the three high to abandon all of its disguise, and then they're just a defense playing a coverage, you know, cover three, cover four, right? They're playing man coverage, or you know what the front is, right? You know based on where the guys are lining up, the, the, power, the power of their unique distortion in disguise is gone. And Sarkis figured that out, so he presents power personnel packages, and he pivots to play action pass principles. Yeah. That's part of his formula, going up against the three high. And it works. He's got the versatility and the variety in the offense to do it. Now, everybody don't have that kind of variety. So this is his formula going up against the three high. But if, you, if you're extreme enough, personnel-wise, you're extreme enough formationally, the three high has to abandon all of its disguise. And then once they're doing that, Quinn just has to, you know, make the, the proper pre-snap read and then match up with his post-step diagnosis. And so that's that's what I saw that was brilliant, by the way, of Sark. And I've been noticing that basically he got into this groove at the end, the second half of that Iowa State game. Maybe we won this run. He's placing half the games that Texas played has been against teams who run the three high three down. So I told you at the beginning of the season, you can't win the Big 12 without solving it. You can't win the Big 12 without figuring out how you are going to beat it. Your formula to beat, your antidote. He's got an antidote, and it's I've been tracking it all season long. It was my theory before the season. Sark confirmed it. This is what Sark is doing. And I, I think other coaches around the country, since it's spreading like wildfire and football theory, the evolution of the game, other theory, other coaches are going to track this theory, and I think they're going to try to figure out their own antidote based on some, what Sark has done because Sark has had so much success, and he's seen it so much. I mean, he's seen this damn defense like – probably 15, 16, 17 times since he's been here on the 40 acres alone. Is that, let me ask you this, as it relates to Quinn in that conversation. I mean, we, and they are now on, to Jerry's point, they're now on television talking about Herb Street's giving his opinion. Herb Street, by the way, predicted Texas in earlier this morning. That was his final pick. But uh, Paul and Jerry, as we talk about Quinn Ewers and, and Rod and that progression, has, has that ability to, to make, uh, those three high defenses commit to something pre-snap and remove that distortion, does that perhaps help Quinn Ewers and his development and what we saw yesterday? Because yesterday, I mean, he was going to a second and third read. I don't know about y'all, but that was the best I've ever seen him do that. Like, I've seen him throw feathery passes that had unbelievable touch. I've seen him throw 
20-yard dig routes to the opposite hash on the money, you know. But I hadn't seen him go to the second, third receiver, sometimes even fourth. That's where, I mean, different – that was just a different guy. And maybe this antidote, as as uh, Rod talked about it, is why that, that Quinn was able to actually go and do that. I think it's twofold for me. One, that was his 21st start. We're getting closer to being an experienced mm-hmm. quarterback. Year three guys are a lot better in college football than year two guys. Um, I think that you can just look at the history of college football for that. The other thing, though, Oklahoma State wasn't a great pass rush team. They had one guy in Colin Oliver. Other, uh, uh, Paul mentioned it, delayed blitzes from Nick Martin, right? Delayed blitzes from the linebackers. So Oklahoma State wasn't a team that could get him to the ground quickly. So if Texas held up in pass pro, he would have time to get through his progressions. I think where Quinn, the next step for him, and y'all talk about it's getting to those progressions quicker. I think it gets Oklahoma State because they couldn't get home with the pass rush. Mm-hmm. They couldn't force him to go quicker. I think next year you're going to see quicker feet, which means quicker progressions and decisions. I think that's the next part. It's nothing to do with his eyes. It's everything to do with his feet moving quicker. Then the rest will follow. Uh, but I thought Oklahoma State could not, didn't have the pass rush to get him to the ground. And because of that, he had time to work through those progressions. And Oak State wasn't covering for more than two and a half seconds. Let me ask you guys a question. We're looking at this AP poll, and it, literally it's worse now. We said they're going to announce exactly at 11.15. Look at, let's look at this AP poll that's on the scroll. Matt put up uh, our producer. It has Texas at three and Florida State at four, Alabama five, Georgia six, Ohio State 7, Oregon 8, Missouri 9, Penn State 10. Do y'all really think that Oregon's still 8? I mean, I, I, I mean, thought they looked like they had an explosive offense, but they weren't necessarily a an offense that executes very well. I don't know how else to say that. I mean, perhaps a little overrated even at number 8 for me. <clears throat> if, uh, anybody have conversation or thought I, on I, that? I, I, I disagree. I, I, I guess I think the thing with that game is um, Kalen DeBoer, Rod loves DeBoer because he breaks tendencies. He broke tendency against USC, and he Mm -hmm. ran the ball at Oregon. And I think that was – you know, DeBoer's, I think, maybe the best offensive coach going in college football. But that showed how smart he was. He broke tendency. But the fact that Washington ran the ball successfully on Oregon, I bet if you ask Dan Lanning, that's not what he was expecting to happen in that Mm -mm. game. Yep. Yeah, I've got some thoughts on that. I watched that game intently. Um, look, you guys all have eyes for talent. Oregon's defensive line is vastly overrated, mm-hmm. uh, particularly as run defenders. Their linebackers, very athletic, not instinctive, not instinctive at all. They're just athletes. They're out there sort of being athletic. And, and that works when you're playing uh, bad to average teams in the pack because it's recovery, speed, it's aggression. But that's not going to work against Washington. That's a sophisticated offense. That's an experienced offense. It's an experienced offensive line. Dylan Johnson, 28 carries, 154 yards. His longest run only went for 18, guys. Wow. Take that run out. What does that mean? Five yards a carry. They pounded him. And they did the same thing the USC. Pounded him when they had to. Jerry's right. He's the the brightest mind going in, in college football. And a lot of it has to do with his emotional temperament. He wants to throw the ball 60 times because yes. he knows what he can scheme up and he knows what those three receivers can do with Penix. Mm-hmm. He had the maturity to play the long game 
and understand that Dylan Johnson was going to wear on this undisciplined second level of the Oregon defense and this overrated front level. They like to get after and rush the passer. Who doesn't? Let's see if you want to stop our counter gaps, run repeatedly at you on, and, and Dylan Johnson's a 220 pound physical guy. I don't even think Dylan Johnson's that talented, to be honest. I just think he's a very determined, strong runner. Yeah. And that's valuable in the college. He's, he's Savion Red on steroids, is what Yes, he sir. Now, here's the other thing when Jordan Birch went down for Oregon, they were toast in the run game. Agreed. Yeah. Hey, look, I, we could talk about that, but I mean, we need to get back to the Longhorns, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's we're literally three minutes away. They're putting up the the strength of schedules uh, and uh, strength of schedule rank, uh, as well as win loss versus uh, 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 top twenty five teams. Uh, this is getting down to the to the final minutes here, and and we're getting ready to find out exactly if the Longhorns, as Vegas thinks, have made it, and as a number of uh, key pundits believe, uh, have made it. I, I just can't. I want to say this before I let before we'd really turn it over here to the playoff committee, I can't see if Alabama gets in and Texas doesn't, there needs to be hell to pay. Well, I'm going to have to, I'm gonna have to take over hosting this because Bobby's going to pass out. No, I'm going to make it on my computer somewhere, actually. going to cut somebody I, out. <laughs> I mean, clearly, if that would be the one thing that would be the most illogical, can't happen. asinine thing that would happen. They have – it's not a comparison win, Paul, Rod, Jerry. It's not. It's a direct win. You can't get any better than that. You, you want more definitive. No. Bobby. No, go ahead, Paul. Go ahead, let Paul go on this one. Go. Sorry. Uh, style points, they do matter, whether we care or not. If we beat Oklahoma State 34-31, we wouldn't be sitting here. Okay? Mm-hmm. I- I'm sorry. But we beat Bama by double digits in their place. Yeah. And it's never happened in Nick never. Saban's tenure. If we had beaten them by a point in Austin on a fluke and, and Bama had some injuries or some guys had the flu, eh, I understand the argument. I get it. There's no argument. It's basic logic If going by their own criteria. If they don't do it, you got to get out the crayon and you got to explain to me algorithmically how you arrived at your decision. And the bottom line is, it's Florida State versus Alabama. That's the debate in the room. It yep. ain't Texas. It and let's think, think about this. What are the three times that most fans watch Texas this year? And I'm actually taking out Texas OU on this. It was out Texas at Bama, right? Then I think a lot of people tuned in on Friday to watch Texas versus Texas Tech. And then they watched the Big 12 championship game yesterday. And you could argue – those were the three best performances of the year by Texas when they had the most eyeballs on them, probably nationally. Texas OU goes up against other games, right? I think Texas bringing it when they absolutely had to. We talked about Quinn. Quinn was calm Saturday, like he was calm in Tuscaloosa. People watch Texas say, hmm, they got a quarterback. Now, did he have some ups and downs? Sure. But when the most eyeballs were on Texas, they had their three best games of the year, in my opinion. What do you think? I mean, w- let me ask you all this. Florida State, they've got Florida State guy up here. Anybody have feelings like if you were Florida State right now and you got left out of this? I mean, I would want to throw my – if I were a Florida State fan, I'd want to throw my computer in the, into that TV as well. It's, I mean, it's they did everything it's, they can possibly do. It's different, but 
when Ken, and Paul Paul will be able to throw this right at, at me as well with me. When Kenyon Martin got hurt and Cincinnati was the number one ranked basketball team in the country, it's different because it's the NCAA tournament. They lost their one seed and moved to a two seed. And you know what happened? They got bounced. Here we go. Jerry, I got to tell you, I think it's coming up right now, guys. I don't have the sound on because I can't have it on. Uh, but I think we're getting ready to see an announcement here. I, uh, I can't see it. I'm just going to watch Rod. <laughs> <laughs> he's the one with the sec hat today for those of you guys listening on the podcast rod's wearing his texas sec hat that some uh donor bootleg made for him Uh, (laughs) i I gotta be honest rod everybody wants that hat and everybody asks rod where can i get that hat and you're like hey you can't i don't think you can yeah i don't don't think they made that video i I, I think rod put the hand up to colin simmons said not so fast my friend I would never count. I'll never do that. But I'm a little delayed because I'm streaming this thing. So you guys will definitely know ahead of me. I can tell you. Okay. That right now. I got you. I got hey, you. Paul, 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 go to that though. Kenyon Martin, Cincinnati. They lost their one seed. Then they went to a two seed and they got bounced. Okay. It's the same thing here. If you put FSU up against Michigan, we just watched the Big Ten championship game. We don't need a freaking rerun of it. Okay. No. Because that's exactly what it would be. This look a Texas, Alabama, Michigan, Washington quarterfinal. It's it's the dream. It's the best. It's the strongest quarterfinal in twenty years. I, I mean, ever. Right? You've got three un, You know, I've got you've got three undefeated or two undefeated teams, and then two conference champions uh, that were playing the frankly the best football at the end of the year. Jim Harbaugh, Nick Saban, Texas I mean, come Brand. On. Come on. This writes itself. Hey, it appears, uh, guys, another college football breaking news. It appears that uh, University of Houston is announcing Willie Fritz uh, as head coach over Dress Trailer uh, at University of Houston. I I don't have that official, but I'm getting some texts in right now that it's looking like it's headed that way. It may already be official, and I just don't have it from the right people yet. But uh, there it is. Todd Lacey, U, U of H hires Willie Fritz. I know. Uh, people are, are uh, wondering about that. Uh, they're in commercial break here on uh, ESPN, getting ready to announce. Uh, it says it resumes in two and a half minutes or two minutes or so, uh, the uh, conversation. All right. I do not have <laughs> breaking. CFP committee just expanded to playoff to eight teams for the 2023 season. I think Fox and ESPN would be happy to do that, by the way. That'd be awesome. They would be happy to do that right now. Um, <laughs> let me ask y'all, do, do either of you guys know, and I should have done my uh, due diligence before getting on the show this morning, one place four in this tournament and two place three, right? Yes. Do we Is one and four in Pasadena or New Orleans? Should be. If it's Michigan's the number one seed, it's Pasadena. Oh, okay. Okay. That, I mean, that's the way I understand it. It, it. Does anybody know that for sure, Paul or Rod? I do not. Matt, Matt, will you look that up for us just to make sure before we get going? I, it, it's a minute. We'll find out in a minute either way. Where right. would y'all rather go? But where is the national championship game played, guys? I do yes. know this. Houston. You <laughs> think the final four was last year, Chris Beard? Thank you very much. Yeah. If uh, – oh, number one gets the pick of the venue. So Rose Bowl. So they'll Michigan would definitely pick the Rose Bowl, you would think. They don't want to play yeah. on turf in a stadium. They want to play where it gets a little choppy and 
I, I got to tell you. I got to tell you. What's that? What's you. that? Oh. It could be 55 degrees, Bobby. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Be careful. What are you saying? Stop. Everybody parks on the grass of the of the uh, fairway greens in, in, at the Rose Bowl. That's what I love about the Rose Bowl. You're sitting there tailgating on a golf course, basically. Hey, by the there, way, you, you want to know why this is so big? Say Texas is a three seed. They get a 2-3 game in New Orleans, home field, essentially. National championship game is Houston. There is not a better scenario for <laughs> University of Texas football than if you play a semifinal in New Orleans and a national championships in Houston. Yep. No chance you'll ever see a better scenario for Texas than that. You're getting me hyped up, man. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, Paul's like, man, how am I getting to those games? Because yeah. <laughs> oh. they happen around New Year's Eve. What have I got planned? You know, what do I got to do? <laughs> I think is we're all that way a little bit. What's that, Paul? I'm thinking, is she worth it? She's no. <laughs> not. <laughs> All right, final final guess how it goes. Uh, Rod Bavers, give me your top four real quick in order. Uh, Michigan, Michigan, Washington, I'll go Texas, and Bama. I'm the same. Paul? It's unanimous. I'm going to go Michigan, Washington, Florida State. Texas. Ooh. All right. I'm going to go Florida okay. State. I may be wrong, but I looked through the playoff committee, and no offense to them, but they're, they're a bunch of old people like myself. Mm -hmm. And so we talk about subconscious and sticking to traditions. Yeah. That's why I went that way. Not because I think that that's the way it should be. I'll, I'll put it that way. I, I just don't – I Jim Grobe is on that committee, guys. There's nobody <laughs> more old school than Jim Grove. He's going to say, and he's in the SEC. He said, he's going to say, you can't keep a 13-0 ACC champion out of this thing. The question in that scenario, though, Bobby, is if that's the four, I think the committee put Florida State at four and let Michigan play them as the four and Texas and Washington play the two-three. Because you're essentially, if you put FSU three, you're guaranteeing Washington's in a national championship game. And I think you do that with the one four. All right, here we go, guys. They've got the they've got the list up, and it's uh. Mm -hmm. All right, Michigan yep. one, Michigan's one. Not surprising. Two should be Washington, right, guys? Yep. Who's yes. going to be Washington? Yep. And they're going to go to six. Oh, they're going to go to six. Don't do this. After Don't two, do they're going to go to six. Oh, that'll tell us something too, though. Build the anticipation. There's absolutely no reason for us to say anything right now. I just feel like the mic should drop. Oh, here they're going to the Michigan reaction to being one. Look at Harbaugh. Look at Jim. Jim. Hey, I knew the plays. Clap, clap. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. 
Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. You got to admit, he's done a whale of a job there. They have their remade the roster, built it into a roster that is a Big Ten style roster. By the way, guys, one two, two Washington. Yeah, they won two. Okay, yeah, no doubts. Very good, you know. So we all think Georgia's six, right? Uh, I think so. But, man, they could put Florida State at six. Florida State six. If, I think by putting Florida State six, it would be a statement. Yes. Y'all agree? Paul, you have anything? They would put – if they're looking to keep Florida State out, they'll put them at six and Georgia at five to show separation. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. It's plausibility. I know how committees work. I, I <laughs> are, are we going to get the obligatory Washington shot here, or is it too early in the morning out west? Nine nine thirty. They, We're going to show Kalen DeBoer. He's going to be on a board designing a play. <laughs> oh, there you go, Longhorns! Texas versus Washington. Let's go. Going to be in New Orleans. Orleans. Tour, New Orleans National Championship, Houston. Just another spot along I-10. That's all it is. Hey, Ooh. hey, Derek, Will- hey, there's the reaction. <laughs> nice. They're ready for it, baby. They're ready for it. Oh, we're there. No, what, Denzel? Yeah, that's where. That's the new place yeah. where they eat. That's, what that's, that's the new chow. Now, I don't, they added something like, it's not the, can't remember what they call it, the aquarium or something like that. Okay. Where they, they go and eat. Uh, hey, just yeah, a thought. Four, let's see. This is this is going to be Matt's. It's our producer be- Matt is a Florida State fan at some level. It's got to be Bama, man. Don't do it. Don't waste a game, oh, man. They're, 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 they're playing it up. Don't they're waste a game. Hey, don't waste I think we up. want it to be Bama. Everybody wants oh, to be Bama. Why is that? I, I, I don't think we want Michigan to have a bye week. No, exactly. exactly. Oh, good way to put it. Jacksonville can hurt Michigan. Great point, Paul. Uh, hey, by the way, uh, we need to talk about Derek Williams targeting. He's not out for the playoff game. He's out for the first half of the first regular season game if you read the rules in NCA. Oh, nice. te- Texas can take that to the first game of the regular season next year, not a postseason, like the way that. I understand it. If I'm wrong, the comments section will blister me, but that's the way I understand it. Yeah, man. Let's see who then. But Texas versus Washington – we believe that's going to be in New Orleans. Yes. Who is team number four right now? Jordan? No. Oh, that's six. Oh! Oh! They should have just said six. They're six. They're six. And 40 else can go. And 40 else can go. Okay. 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 To Paul's point, does this mean FSU's four? Because they didn't create the separation. We're about to, that's a good point, Paul. Let's find uh, out here. It's a great point. Could be. Yeah, hey, I can't believe I fell for that. I fell oh, for the. 
They did. Oh. They got it. <laughs> you know who Georgia gets for that? They get to play the Pony Express oh, in Tempe. It's Bama. Oh, Bama's in. Bama. Bama. baby. There you go. Oh, wow. There there you go. Wow. Good job, committee. 13 0 4 State 5. Good job, Sorry, committee. Matthew. Well done. Whoa, guys. Yeah, good job, committee. That's, That's what they good. had to do. If this yeah. committee did their job yeah, by man. the principals on their website, they had to take FSU out. FSU was not. And that is solely, in your opinion, that's solely because of Jordan Travis, clearly, Dude, right? Florida had, uh, Florida State had 154 yards less than Florida had been giving up all season two weeks ago with Tate Rodemaker. Last night, they had 96 yards less than what Louisville had been giving up all year defensively. Florida State's offense is a mess. Jordan Travis was an RPO witch and a Heisman contender. You can't replace that. That's the only team that didn't get better the last three weeks of the season that's in the playoff. No other way around it. Agreed. Hey, my my wife has come in and now she's cheering in the background here. By the way. <laughs> hey, uh, I think she heard my my uh, scream about Georgia and, and thought I something had gone wrong. All right, uh, this means Texas uh, will likely play uh, in the Sugar Bowl. Oh, they're announcing it now. Texas is officially in the Sugar Bowl yes. with against Washington. Okay, Longhorns played uh, Washington a year ago about this time. Yep. In the Alamo Bowl, these mm -hmm. two teams are not unfamiliar yep. with one another. Yep, yep. And, and, uh, and, that game, that game never felt like Texas. It always felt like Washington was in control, even though Texas moved the ball and they moved it without B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson and right. A. D. Mitchell, <laughs> and, and without A. D. Mitchell, and they still moved the ball. And Xavier Worthy dropped some. Yeah. Has Washington's defense gotten better? Anybody Trice, know that? You got to block Braylon. You got to block Trice. That's the one guy you have to block. Is, is that the defensive end? Yeah. yeah, and he's kind of a fringe first, second round guy. He he had a couple. I think he had a sack and a half or two sacks last year. You got to block him. Um, uh, that's the first thing. Um, but you know, in the, the other big thing for me in that game, just just the first glance is going to be uh, pressure by Texas is going to be so key. If you don't get pressure. Uh, Texas secondary, I don't think they, they can cover long enough. Washington will get chunk plays against Texas. You have to get Penix under duress. Washington has Washington has NFL wide receivers. Big time. Right, right? And they got, a, they got an NFL quarterback who's got the best deep ball, I probably think, in college football. I mean, Penix is, deep Isn't ball he is very similar to Dylan Gabriel in that regard? But uh, well, I think he's just stronger than Dylan Gabriel. I mean, he's just got a laser back there, and uh, I love watching Washington because they're the, they're probably the most vertical. <laughs> they're probably the most vertically, uh, like I, I would think, kind of vertically centric passing game in all of college football. Like we're talking about shots downfield, and and they he's got the quarterback to do it. That is my concern: is that they can threaten Texas vertically with the arm and almost anywhere downfield with those wide receivers. And they can make contested catches. They can, they can, you know, they pretty much can do it all. They can burn downfield, take the top off of defense. Uh, that they're going to be a problem. Like Jerry says, unless Texas can create pressure because Texas doesn't have the DBs to hold up against their wide receivers. By, by the way, the entire game. this game's going to be on turf. It's going to look like a track meet. Yeah. <laughs> Good point.
Very indoors. Good. Indoors. That's going to look like a track meet. Paul, I know you've looked at the Washington defense and, and uh, you, you cover not only just Texas, but uh, across college football. Your thoughts on Washington and their offense and defense as well. So Jerry struck on it. Uh, Braylon Trice is the concern. And, and here's why. He's a power rusher with speed. Yeah. Kelvin Banks is at his best. Kelvin Banks swallows up speed. He doesn't care. He's got great feet. Where he may occasionally struggle is outstanding power that can that that guy can use to get you off leverage and then also they move him around and all that that said that's the guy uh washington's the rest of their defense is sound uh these aren't great players uh they're they're trying to get you to make a mistake that's how they stop you and uh i think if texas executes they they can have a lot of fun i, I texas will do just fine on turf uh, yeah, so I look A.D. Mitchell's a huge difference in this game going against Washington. It's Washington that look, is look, going to watch a totally different team on film than they saw last year because of A.D. Mitchell uh, and an offensive line that's older. I'll also say this. Hey, Joe Cook, if you're listening, Manny Muhammad's what? Who's a certain corner for Washington? Manny Muhammad's cousin. Nice. Transferred from Oak State. There's a story. Yeah. Yep. I, I'll say this too. Different coach. And Steve Sarkeesian, right? His habits and tendencies have changed as a coach. You know, even Paul brought it up earlier against Oklahoma State last year. You had those frivolous deep shots, right? The most deep overthrows you've had uh, that Texas had all of, all, all of last season. And Sark gets, you know, sometimes he would get roped in to throwing those deep shots. First, first of all, on first down as well, putting his team behind the chains. He's a different play caller now, right? He doesn't chase those deep shots, doesn't chase those big plays like he used to. Um, he's a different play caller. I think that's going to help him too, probably because of the weapons you just mentioned, Jerry. He knows he's got all these great weapons, so it's going to be a little bit different. And the running game now, even with the loss of Jonathan Brooks, um, it, the running game has also – not regressed as much as I thought. And I thought it would. Um, you didn't need as much last week, obviously, our last game against Oklahoma State. But um, against Texas Tech and against Iowa State, I was really surprised how good the running game is doing in spite of the losses. Uh, you know, obviously, post Bijan and post and post Rojo, I think it's because the offensive line now is starting to assert themselves. We're starting much more physical blocks downfield with the offensive line. That's going to be key in this game, too. Can Texas have the balance? You can get in the shootout with uh, Washington, but it would be nice to have some long, sustained drives and just keep that Washington offense off the field. I got one thing to say. Washington has a 275, 280-pound center, and all I want to tell him is do this for the next month. Don't say <laughs> it. Uh, you know, that I watched, I, I've watched Washington several times. I obviously watched them last week or last year against the Longhorns. Uh, we talked about Kellen DeBoer, their uh, – offensive coach or their head coach who just happens to be just a tremendous I mean he he basically on that final drive against uh Oregon and really the final two drives against Oregon and Dan Lanning who was supposed to be a defensive genius I mean he put them in a blender and just spit them out I mean he literally and it wasn't difficult there weren't difficult throws it was run scheme primarily uh and yes to Paul's point, they got a little. Uh, Oregon got a little abused and uh, on it, but it was also scheme, and the guy is just really, really good. So Texas has a big fight in New Orleans coming up. Uh, I tell you what, uh, though, from where we started this year, 
uh, and uh, to where we're finishing it right now, I would not have said this is going to be a college football playoff team. I wouldn't have said that. I thought top 10 was a real possibility. Anybody else really go at it and and call for Texas to be in the college football playoff this year? Paul, you you did a you did a preseason uh, yearbook for called Thinking Texas Football. What were your thoughts on that, and where where did you say they would end up? Well, two thoughts. Um, I thought I predicted we win the Big Twelve title. Uh, you and I had a preview show where we picked our four college football playoff participants. I picked Texas as one of them. I also picked LSU. So let's not uh, <laughs> let's not get too ahead. let's not pat ourselves on the back too much. Uh, and then I. Uh, kind of made my prediction where it matters most. I just heard a little cashing sound in the back of my ear from my <laughs> cell phone. And that's the Texas Longhorns to make the playoffs at four to one. And I nice. made that back in September. So yeah, I, I feel good about it. This is, I'll be honest with you guys. Washington is a tough matchup. Yep. yep. If we beat the Huskies, I love our chances about whoever emerges from Michigan, Alabama. And by the way, Texas against the winner of Michigan, Alabama is going to break TV ratings. Yes, it it's is. It's going to be amazing. Yes, it is. And by the way, people, we've had several people asking about Derek Williams. The way I understand it um, is Derek, Texas, Derek Williams suspension. And they can, they can appeal this and they probably will appeal this, but let's say their appeal gets turned down. Broad ta- talked about it on the post game by the letter of the law that was targeting, right? I mean, but they can appeal it. Um, Texas has the option with, with that suspension that it be the first game of next year, first half of next year's first regular Ooh, season game. Nice. My understanding. That's the way I understand it. If I'm wrong, people can tell me I'm wrong, but that's the way I understand that. So they'll appeal it. It'll probably get turned denied, but then they can – that could be the first half of the first game of next season for Derek Williams. It does not have to be a postseason game. All right. Hey, I want to get to some super chats and uh, get everybody in here. That's been Washington's open as a four and a half point favorite, by the way. Washington starts as a four and a half point favorite. Interesting. All right. Uh, run nine one one. If every if every team plays their A game, Texas wins. Uh, Jeff Carey, Louisville is a horrible team. It was painful watching that game. <laughs> it really was painful. I mean, that quarterback looked like he had been shell shocked. I don't even know. Not, a deer in the headlights is not enough i mean it was worse than that everybody like, doesn't have arch manning as their third string quarterback so i want three hours of my life back for that game but also uh jerry I, did i mishear you texas is the favorite no washington texas, texas is minus four and a half oh are they yes sir Oh, wow. are, you, are you reading that off of FanDuel, jerry where'd you I'm get yours FanDuel right now texas minus four and a half Washington Nobody posted that in the comments. They might have just forgot the minus. Yeah, they might have transposed it. Uh, by the way, Bama plus two and a half. So Michigan minus two and a half. Wow. And Texas is the the third, the number three favorite for the national title right now. Yeah. Washington's last. Uh, Michigan won. Alabama second. I'm not sure. I agree with those. Uh, I agree. Things. I don't. No. I don't agree with those odds, and I may be ducking out in a moment to uh, <laughs> take care of business. Talk to your cousin. <laughs> hey, I got some more. Justin Yarbrough, give us the Washington Revenge Tour. The Revenge Tour is not over yet. Hook them. Uh, DC history. Allow me to get ahead of myself for a bit, but the thought of a home game for oh. the championship in Houston oh. with all the alums in that city 
is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Can anything truer be said? Having that game in Houston or Dallas, either one, would be a gift from the gods. Yep. And, you know, we'll see if it actually comes to pass. Longhorn's got to get past Washington first, guys. But, geez, I mean, what a possibility. All right, KD35. What are the odds last time Texas won the Big 12 was 2009 and went on to play Bama in the national championship game? We all know what happened there. What are the odds all these years later we return the favor to Alabama? Oh, there's the FSU reaction. Oof, man. Wow. Yeah, it's devastating. That's a team that just got kicked in the you-know-whats. Yeah. That's And it's going to – that's going to feel that way for a while. By the way, the only difference there uh, from uh, thanks for that super chat is you'd have to beat Bama twice to win the national championship. Yeah, once in the once in the regular season, they'd be out to prove it. Paul, you made a good point when we were getting going uh, that uh, you said that you wanted Alabama in if they were number four instead of Florida State. Yeah, because that would mean Michigan would have a physical opponent. Yep prior to playing in the national championship game. And, and Bama, too. Want, you, yeah, and Bama, too. Right, Rod. <laughs> you don't want them to have a – I don't want to say a layup game, but you want them to come in physically beat a little bit. Texas, if you remember when they played Bama, they looked a little physically beat playing Wyoming the next week. We all thought it was a little a little bit of that, you know, layover or, or sleepwalking through the next game after a big win. Some of it was the physicality of that Alabama game, too, right? <clears throat> Bama experienced the same. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, so South Florida. There is a toll to playing a big physical team, and Texas is a big physical team. And uh, so is Michigan. So is Alabama. Washington is actually physical. They're not super athletically gifted uh, right. on defense. Offense, yeah, you know, they, they probably have the weakest offensive line uh, in total of these four of these four teams. But they're very experienced, and that counts for a lot in college football. I just think that that's going to be a huge factor, uh, not just the the physicality, but also, look, Michigan is not a team that's averse to looking ahead and doing a little game planning, a little uh, a little programmatic game planning for the future. And if they had Florida State, frankly, I think they might have taken a little they, – they would have assigned a little graduate assistant time to spending more time on the scout of the two yeah. teams ahead. And uh, – you know, I just think that's helpful for Texas. Uh, but, yeah, the big challenge is Washington. First things first. This is this is a tough matchup for Texas. Yeah. Hey, by, by the way, two things. I'm watching Boo Corgan on ESPN. Think about him talking about why FSU didn't make the playoff as the athletic director of NC State. One. Two. Two. Did, wasn't it the ACC that didn't want the 12-team playoff this year? <laughs> what not the conference oh wow <laughs> all right hey we got some uh we got some more super chats i want to get to here real quick uh we appreciate everybody giving it they deserve their their shot in the uh, spot, spotlight the rose bowl would be perfect versus michigan well jeff it's going to be the sugar bowl versus mm-hmm. uh the university of washington a rematch from last year's alamo bowl people didn't realize at the time that that was actually one of the better bowl games. It was. One of the more talented bowl games, right, guys? Uh, Quinn, Quinn played great in that game, remember? Yeah. That was Quinn's kind of start of Quinn starting to ascend a little bit of this year's Quinn. We got a sneak peek at it. He played really good in that game. 
Hey, Paul, uh, you know, Buck, hurry. that line's already up to six. <laughs> the line is up to six now? Paul, Paul's like, wait a minute. I didn't get my bet in. <laughs> I was like, I need to leave. <laughs> Do you need to leave, Paul? You can if you want, my man. Oh, I'm already roped into this nonsense. You just cost me hundreds of dollars, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Thunderpup, if Texas goes to the playoffs, we think Quinn Ewers stays for one more year or goes to the draft. As of last week, I think he's staying. Uh, now, the unbelievable performance he had on Saturday might change his mind. I mean, that certainly could be in the calculus. Maybe uh, Sark's trying to push him out, Bobby. That's why he's, he's like throwing the ball more. He's like, you know what, Quinn? This is where this is quarterback room get a little crowded. I talked to Arch. We don't need you to up your draft <laughs> So pass first, baby. Let's go. <laughs> you know, get you an SEC hat on the way out the door. For, for his NFL draft prospects. He should stay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I said this. I said this the other day, Paul. There's a stat out there, uh, and I know his people close to him, his advisors, including his family, that once you reach 25 starts or more in college football, you are three times more likely to be successful if you're a high draft pick and go on and be a, a good NFL player that gets a great second contract that is a starter, one, a 10-year-plus pro, right? If you have less than 25 starts, that number is like two of nine that have been successful over the last 15 years. Yeah. It, it's significant. It's and that I know that that is a, a, a talking point for Quinn Ewers and his group right now. Yeah, I was just going to say it's, it's the Mitch Trubisky stat. Yeah. Yes. He, he started 15 games at North Carolina, and he looked like it. He was he was not ready for the NFL. The other factor for Ewers, it's good that he lost weight, got in shape. He needs to actually gain weight back, but good He's weight. Yeah. He needs to get under a squat bar. He needs to get stronger. He needs to be 205, 210. Yeah. Uh, that was the big change in Colt McCoy, not only as a player, but his durability. Also, your ability to hold strong in the pocket is a function of your strength, Right. It's your, it's your lower body strength, which creates some confidence that you can keep your base. Quinn Ewers, when he gets pressure, and I mean controlled pressure, meaning the offensive lineman still has control of the defensive lineman, but they're going past you and the guy hits you with a hand or an elbow. When Ewers gets bumped, he wilts in the pocket a little bit. His eyes drop. The minute your eyes drop as a quarterback, you're done. It's over. So unless you're Vince Young or, or Michael Vick, in, in which case the play has just begun. So uh, I, I think Quinn needs to get strong. And I don't think getting strong is him standing on a BOSU ball, curling, uh, you know, throwing tennis balls. I think he needs to get under a squat bar, put on about 15 pounds of good weight in his lower body. And I think he'll see a big improvement, not only in his arm strength, but his general durability and his ability to hold firm in the pocket. Hey, by the way, I want to say this. We've had a couple of recruiting questions. And I think this is interesting. I'm just going to hit on this real quick. Um, and we'll be doing some uh, – Justin Wells and I will be doing some recruits react uh, for later today after the dust settles a little bit. Uh, but on the recruiting front, look, I think Texas is, is – in the old days, pre-NIL, they're on a rocket ship, right? NIL's changed the game. So people are saying, does this help Texas? It definitely helps Texas. The win over Alabama, the win over the in the Big 12 championship, that's when the most recruits watch Texas this year, period. And then you're going to play in the college football playoff. And it's a month of talking about Texas Longhorns football nationally, which hasn't been done for a month straight in a positive light in about 15 years. So you have that. Uh, but this is the flip side of it. It's also going to really motivate a few collectives. 
against Texas. So that's the flip side nowadays. Well, Texas's collective better get going. Uh, Paul wrote about it uh, a little bit earlier this week on InsideTexas.com. Yes, Texas uh, has a robust uh, operation uh, and outcome right now. I mean, this this past year proves it, not only uh, adding a a guy like Adnai Mitchell from the uh, portal, but uh, a number of different players deciding to stay at Texas for an additional year. But it needs to be less cyclical and more consistent. They need consistent uh, buy-in from major donors. That's what Texas needs more than anything. Also, if uh, there, there's also a campaign underway right now to get not just you know the big money guys as part of this, but everybody. Everybody needs to feel a part of Texas football. Uh, so if you can, please look up TexasOneFund.org and consider a donation uh, to University of Texas NIL. All right, we have some more uh, Super Chats here. Ambassador of Texas, bring on anybody. Texas is peaking. F-A-F-O, that's a Sark's little uh, mantra that the team has adopted. I agree with it. UT boy, sorry we didn't see you on Friday. I personally believe no team plays defense at the level we play at. We can woodshed anyone. Texas can beat people. Yes. I I do believe that. Woodshed's a little little different. Because the other – look, Michigan, it's going to be hard to woodshed Michigan this year. Yeah, no doubt. Yes, they will be. I mean, they have a great offensive line. They've got an efficient quarterback. They've got a good defense. I'm interested to see what Texas can do and what Sark can scheme up against Michigan if Texas were to play them. Because, look, I think they'll be able to move the ball against Washington and Alabama. Michigan's – I don't know if they played a team like Texas that has those kind of receivers. All right, uh, Nathan McNamee. Jerry, you ready to see Boo? You kind of commented about him. Uh, He was uh, the butt of many jokes heading into this. We're going to miss Bo Nix in the playoffs, fellas. We're going to miss Bo Nix. Um, <laughs> hey, hey, did anybody sitting here or on the comments section think at fourth and goal from the 31 in the Iron Bowl that Alabama would be in the playoffs? That's one of the most miraculous things I've ever seen. Think about that. That's true. If you just took – they were they were d- discounting Texas because they barely beat Kansas State with the backup mm-hmm. quarterback. Yeah. Oh, you know, Alabama almost from the Alabama barely beat a team that that lost to was it New Mexico or New Mexico State? New Mexico State by thirty the previous week mm-hmm. that that Auburn beat or got beat by. You know, yeah. clearly. All right, hey, so, hey, Rod, I want to ask Rod something. Yes, go for it, Rod. I, I look his UT boys comments good. Our defense could play with anybody on the front. Yeah. Yes, front seven. Uh, in the back end, I want your expertise, sir. Yeah. We have a an imperative over the next month to identify the guys who can play the ball the best in the air. Who mm-hmm. are those guys? Uh, Michael Taft can't come off the field for, for coordination reasons. And because, frankly, I hate to break it to everyone, he's played really well. Uh, I'm particularly looking at cornerback. Who are our best guys to be able to run with these Washington receivers and more importantly, make a play on the ball in the air. Because if you thought Oklahoma State made a couple of plays in the air on us, wait yeah. till you see Roma Dunze, wait till you see uh, 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 these, these freaks. So Rod, who are those guys? And and why is it not Terrence Brooks? Uh, <laughs> 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 um, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I think Malik Muhammad is the guy that naturally plays the ball uh, really well. 
He's young, so you can see sometimes his eyes may not be very disciplined, but he plays the ball really well. Uh, Texas' problem is Derek, Derek Williams. I think he's a guy that can play the ball really well. The problem is I think your safeties are vulnerable to vertical deep shots, and we saw in versus Oklahoma State when Texas – and Texas is playing more bump and run press, man, on the outside, field and boundary. I think they want to do it. I think it just matched up well with Texas Tech and Oklahoma State. I don't know if they'll be that aggressive versus Washington. Maybe situationally you could see them do that, but they won't do that. Even today, Barron, you can see that Oklahoma State was able to get behind him a couple of times with double moves and uh, with some of those deep shots. Uh, so that's I think the, the thing for Texas is they haven't necessarily played the ball well deep all season long. They just have played backup quarterbacks, and they have a really good pass rush, and they force quarterbacks off their spot, whether they have to move the pocket or whether they have to abandon the pocket. So you got a good push, a natural organic pass rush with Byron Murphy and with Devontae Sweat. That's kind of what they're leaning on. And I wonder if PK will double down and start just trying to blitz on passing downs. And even against Washington Hill, man, they'll throw it on early downs as well. So did Oklahoma State and start blitzing more, even run blitzing, just so your corners aren't left on an island. Because the truth is, they don't have a lot of guys that play the ball well in the air. They don't. I'm not pushing back. Uh, but we'll see. Terrence Brooks' best game last year was against Washington as a freshman. True. Same with yeah. Austin Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not saying that I'm I'm not saying that you know I was great. I was not great playing the ball either. I played the man, and that was kind of the technique that I chose: playing the eyes and playing the hands of the wide receiver. I, you can do that as a technique, but I don't know if they do that necessarily well either. They usually get called for flags when they don't play or even look for the football. So they got about a week, uh, a couple of weeks to figure this thing out before, you know, they got to put the game plan in for, for Washington. But we, I, I, I still think one thing is key in this game. How has Texas won all season when they've taken away the run? Kalen DeBora will break tendency. He will break tendency. If Texas takes away the Washington run and they make them one-dimensional, I still like Texas' chances, even against Washington and Kalen DeBoer, if they can take away the run. But that dude's proven he understands when to run the ball and how to run the ball. We'll see what he does against Texas. All right, uh, guys, I've got a couple thoughts here. As I'm watching the Michigan uh, punt return yesterday, the one thing we haven't brought up about Washington versus Texas would be the special teams. I, I, I don't know enough about Washington's special teams off the cuff to even go for it. Uh, Texas has an official uh, uh, All-State Sugar Bowl uh, logo up. Matt, put that up so everybody gets a first peek at it here. Uh, if you're in, in the uh, chat, you'll be able to see this. There it is. Hey. 7.45 p.m. Central. Everybody meet at Pat O'Brien's around 5.30 and then walk <laughs> over to the Superdome. <laughs> we'll all be there together. That's that going to be good. That's that looks like Paul's backdrop after Texas got uh, announced to the Sugar Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, by the way, uh, Joe Diaz is the head of the New Orleans Texas Exes. I've already gotten a text from him. Awesome. We'll be nice. doing something with uh, the New Orleans yes. Texas Exes as part of this uh, for the next month, I guess. We got a month to talk about some of this stuff the special teams, right? The offense, the defense, how it all go. Uh, I want to get some uh, stuff here going. Uh, some of the super chats people got in. Did Texas exceed your expectations? Year th- three in the college football play- playoff. Congratulations, Sark and Texas. Amazing. William, we couldn't agree more. What Archmania, wow, guys. How proud of y'all are Sark and this team? My eyes are watering. I don't know if y'all got a chance to write, read what I wrote this morning on InsideTexas.com. 
But it was an homage of sorts to Steve Sarkeesian and where he's taken this program in just three short, three short years. Year one, we saw a great play caller come out and get on top of games and a defense that would just fold. There were calls to remove Pete Kwiatkowski as defensive coordinator. There were calls to, what are you going to do, et cetera. Year two, he has a quarterback controversy of, of sorts between Hudson Card and Quinn Ewers. He decides to go with Ewers, right? He, he, he gets reaps the rewards of that in some fashion, but also there were some downturns with that. We mentioned Oklahoma State a year ago. Horns still finished eight and five. And then this year, 12 and one. And he got paid back for his faith in Quinn Ewers last year to some degree. And he got paid back in his faith in Pete Kwiatkowski and his entire team. And his team, I think, bought into it the whole while. Uh, yeah. You could talk about culture, but it was also about buy-in. You know, I think culture, or I think buy-in creates culture to some level. Uh, hey, uh, this one's hey, a good hey, one. Hey, can I say one thing real quick? We talked about Sark kind of on his revenge tour, TCU, Iowa State, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State. Y'all should see the grin on Nick Saban's face on this interview right now. Everybody said Kirby, and me included, he would Kirby Smart had taken over. Nick is over there grinning and having a good old time, fellas. He looks like the cat that ate the canary, no Does doubt. Does he ever? Hey, Tokyo Astro, uh, two SEC champs in the college football playoff. What is Boo Corrigan thinking? Hey, it's not just two SEC teams. It's the SEC versus the Big Ten. Right? Two, two Big Ten teams wow. in now, officially, too. Oh, I love this. Rod, this one's for you. Not that. Aggies paid $75 million to stay home again. <laughs> no, man. Think about you guys talking oh, about. What are they going to do with that plaque, man? I still want to know what they're going to do with the plaque. No, man, but you guys talked about, you know, kind of the domino effect of Texas being in the college football playoff. Think about what it is doing with the boosters and the donors and decision makers down that's there right. in Aggieland right that's now. That's right. Very um, motivated. That's part of the reason that they moved on Jimbo Fisher. They saw this coming. They knew. It's like, dude, if Texas is ascending, we cannot afford to be stagnant. We cannot. That, that tidal wave will overwhelm us, and we can't have that. Um, so I think this is partly you may be playing the defending champion next season. Like, that's I think that's what they were trying to get ahead of. And, and you know how desperate they were? They fired Jimbo after a 52-10 win because they knew if he went to Baton Rouge and won, they couldn't fire him. Mm -hmm. They, they didn't got, him got out ahead of it. They Quentin, did not give him a chance to keep his job because they saw what was going on in Austin. Quentin comes in here and says, Destiny, Oklahoma State and Washington weren't on the schedule. Right. Absolutely. Uh, George Lopez, let's go. Hook him. Sark is proving me wrong. There were a lot of naysayers out there. You weren't the only one. That saw some of those guys. I mean, a lot of us. Uh, Ontario Harris, Jerry, this looks great for recruiting, doesn't doesn't it? Come on in, baby horns. You've mentioned a little bit. We're going to have recruit reaction on Inside Texas later today. Please check us out at InsideTexas.com. But what does this do for next year? I mean, this, guys, let's get back to selecting instead of recruiting. Well, here's the thing. I think the staff will do a better job than Mac did late. You want to know what a perfect storm in recruiting is um, it, with the difference being in aisle nowadays? You beat, you won at Alabama by 10. Nobody's ever done that before. And Nick's sitting here grinning ear to ear on the playoffs after that. It's the only loss this year. They just beat Georgia, uh, who had won 29 games in a row. 
You win the Big 12 championship. You're in the college football playoff. You have six guys going to the senior bowl. You're going to have seven to ten guys drafted. It does not get any better than that in recruiting unless you were Georgia and had like 20 guys drafted and won the national championship and eight were first-rounders or whatever it was, six. That's the only way it gets better than where Texas is in recruiting right now. And it's going to be young kids, more 25s and more 26s, are going to want to go check out Austin. And that means the staff gets to evaluate guys deeper and more thoroughly because that's the one advantage Nick has had about kicking everybody's butt for 15 years. He got every kid in America he wanted to on his campus to personally evaluate those guys with his staff. That is huge in recruiting for Nick. Yeah, it, it cuts through all the BS. Yes. If you see him in person, Texas saw, te- Texas saw Tim Crowder and Justin Warren in person together. Yep. Okay, those are old guys for people that Tim played on the national championship for Texas. Justin Warren was rated significantly higher than Tim Crowder at that time. Texas looked at it, said, I want Tim Crowder. They kind of just let Justin Warren go wherever he wanted. Mm-hmm. And he, so Justin Warren was a five-star. You know, Oscar Giles didn't care. No. He went after Tim Crowder. So a, a lot of that stuff going on, I think, right now uh, as well. All right. Uh, the other thing I would add to it is you could talk about recruiting high school players. Portal. Do for the portal. Yeah. That when they see A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington gone, you think we might be able to attract some receivers? Hold on. J.T. Sanders might be looking for, a, after just having eight catches, nine catches. Bobby, Maybe. think about what you just said. A.D. Mitchell leaves Georgia, transfers to Texas. He's back in the playoffs and Georgia's out. <laughs> the guy only knows one thing. I'm going to where I'm going to the playoffs. <laughs> Seriously. That is that very wild. Is it not? That's I mean. Wild. That hey Paul, that's a prop bet you would have needed if, if you could have got that on FanDuel or wherever you go. <laughs> we we do price paper on here, but hey, <laughs> that's wild. That's absolutely all right. Hey, that's quick <laughs> ones I want to get to. Go Horns, go Rangers, go Cowboys from Double D. Uh, this one, Texas gets the opportunity to avenge all of its losses from last year. This is Texas's redeem team. Not a bad name. Not a bad name. Also. William Nish, Sark gets a month to plan for Washington. Look out. Kalen DeBoer gets a month to plan for Texas, too. I will say this. Don't forget, Sark has a deep history with the the, uh, Huskies. I mean, he's the former head coach for Washington and kind of took that team out of the basement of the Pac-12 and uh, let them back, or Pac-10 at that time. Uh, Freelance Society wants to know what's the deal with Jalen Catalan. He's had some injuries and still is somewhat injured. Also, he doesn't have as much playing time this year, and so they're trusting guys that have played more late. Uh, question for you guys, Jace Robinson. Should PK run that flyover defense against Washington? I mean, I don't know. what. I don't even know if Texas can actually run that and operate that in time. Anybody? Anybody's thoughts on that, Rod? Texas doesn't – I actually brought it up at the beginning of the season. Should Texas run somewhere? Because they love their safety so much, right? Texas was bragging about how many safeties they had. Um, yeah, I mean, it's – it's in terms of having different uh, parts of it, like using it, um, using it as a change of pace or as a way to break tendency, there's nothing wrong with that. There are teams doing that all around the country at times. But in terms of making it your bread and butter – um, that's hard to do in just three weeks to a month of time to try to make that kind of a bread and butter defense for you. All right. I, uh, Bobby, it's, here. Oh, Bobby, just real quick. 
that's a philosophy. It's not a, it's not, it's not something you adopt in one game. It just doesn't yeah. work that way. I think Rod's right. Second point, you know what I would explore? Something we don't have right now. Look at installing a dime. If you want to catch Kalen DeBoer on his back foot, come out there in a dime with Devondre Sweat and Byron Murphy in the middle and say, let's see about that running game. Texas version of that is kind of their Mo Blackwell package. Well, they'll have their their have Jade Baron out there. They'll have their nickel, and you know, put Mo Blackwell out there, and they kind of use him as a quasi dime ish figure. But I'm with you. I mean, that's basically kind of what they they envision Mo Blackwell as. But I'm with you. They could go with a dime package. They got enough DBs. They're they're deep enough. Uh, Rudy Serta kind of asked that question that y'all just answered. How does Texas attack this Washington offense? Uh, that's 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 going to be a question we'll address uh, the rest of this month. And into Christmas and the new year, uh, Texas plays uh, Washington at January 1st at 7.45 p.m. in the Superdome. Uh, can't wait for that. Uh, Daniel Earp, is the outcome of the committee's decision different if the win yesterday wasn't so dominant? We believe it would have been. Uh, we believe it would have been. Thanks for all the great content this year on Texas football. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, this has been a special year uh, for Texas football. Like I've said more than once now, I think that it was a galvanizing year uh, for Texas fans everywhere. It's been something we've been needing for 15 years. Like, it's it's been a need. It starts to now connect generations. We almost went a generation, right, without an elite team. Think about it that way. And that that's where teams start falling off, where Notre Dame hasn't really had you, – you know what I mean by that? Yeah. Their generations don't carry through. All right, uh, get this old BCS formula. Would have had Michigan, Washington, Alabama, F FSU. Let's paint the big, easy, burnt orange. I completely agree, and I mentioned that earlier. We're going to be doing something with the New Orleans, Texas Exes. Uh, I'm sure they're going to be great hosts and the hospitable ones as well. Uh, Coochie Samuel, thank you for this. Uh, watch out for Bevo Express from Stephen Shell. Thank you. Evan Smith, uh, we appreciate you, uh, as well as uh, Joe Cab, Renegades, XFL champs, Rangers World Series champs, Longhorns Big 12 champs. Texas, the title, state. Hey, I got to say this. I, I don't even know. I didn't even know there was a Renegades. All the other ones I agree with. <laughs> All right. We're going we're gonna to get going here. It's, it's time for us. This has been a long show, uh, but we appreciate everybody being with you uh, and being here and, and visiting with us. I have one final question. This comes from a fan. And I want to say this. Uh, here we go. With Texas no. here. Without Bo Davis's rant two plus years ago now, no, it, it it accelerated the process. It told people they weren't they weren't the it was they weren't around just here to fo they are fa they were it, here to it, win. It accelerated the process. Rod, and the, ir the irony of that is the the player that was laughing that got Bo Davis so irritated was Tavondre Sweat. <laughs> he was the dude that was laughing in the back of the bus at a joke after they got blown out by Iowa State. So what's the poetic irony in that, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Paul, what do you think? I think it established that the end point of all this is not to become a Longhorn football player. Yeah. You know, Rod was excited to become – I don't want to speak for you, Rod, but you were excited to become a Longhorn football player. But that was the start of the journey. Yes, sir. Same same way. We just started another journey in the college football playoff. Let's go finish it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. 
Guys, uh, it has been just an amazing run this year. Uh, we'll have more with you. Uh, we have coffee and football tomorrow morning. Rod, Jerry, and I will be back with the live stream tonight. Uh, I've got lunch with the coach tomorrow as well. And then, of course, all kinds of content coming uh, all over the place on Inside Texas. Portal tomorrow. Portal opens tomorrow. And the portal opens Ooh, tomorrow. Holy Texas God. coaching Ooh, staff will be on the road. They have the banquet tonight. Wow. Texas coaching staff will hit the road tomorrow recruiting at some point. Hey, Jerry, early, early, early portal prospects. How are they looking? Uh, very good based on a call Friday. <laughs> I like that. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna echo that sentiment, by the way, Paul. Very good. Very good. All right. Uh, here we go. That's gonna do it for today's Longhorn live stream, college football playoff edition. Longhorns coming at number three. Way to go, Texas. Uh, just quite a quite a run by Steve Sarkeesian, uh, Quinn Ewers, the whole team, the defense, Byron Murphy, Tavondre Sweat, Jalen Ford. Uh, like and subscribe to this channel for more of the best Longhorns coverage, and make sure you visit us at InsideTexas.com. For Rod, Paul, and Jerry, hook them. Rod with the SEC hat. <laughs> <laughs>